so many people have been asking me about CBD oil, and now I've found a company that has a high-quality, broad-spectrum, and full-spectrum CBD product. They're called Botan CBD. That's B-O-T-A-N, CBD.com. Use the coupon code JIMMY at checkout. You'll get 15% off of your first order. Most people have heard about the benefits of CBD oil, but they include pain relief, anti-inflammation, mental clarity and focus, stress, and anxiety reliever, and the list goes on and on. I've been rubbing CBD oil from Botan CBD on my sciatica pain, and it makes it disappear. You can take it orally and rub rub it your body wherever you have pain. Now, I've been looking for a very long time for a high-quality CBD oil product, and now I've found it in Botan CBD. Again, go to BotanCBD.com, enter the coupon code JIMMY at checkout, and you'll get 15% off of your order. Live life well. Botan CBD. The information and opinions provided here are for educational purposes only and are not intended to provide individual medical advice. Material conversations and statements found herein are not intended as and does not substitute for a personalized doctor-patient relationship. It's time for Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole, featuring veteran health podcaster Jimmy Moore and functional medicine practitioner Dr. Will Cole. They're here every Thursday answering your questions about low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diets. Now, it's time to drop some keto knowledge on Keto Talk. Keto Talk. Here's Jimmy and Will. Hey, hey, guys. We're back here on episode 136 of Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. KetoTalk.com is the website, and if you like to hang out over on Facebook, so do we. We have an official Facebook page for this here show at KetoTalkFB.com, the Ketonian Corner. Definitely go hang out with your fellow Ketonians and chew the fat, so to speak. And so this is a show where we talk about low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat, ketogenic diets with a focus on real food. I think uh, both Will and I... uh, will agree to that and want to push that and do push that quite often here on this show. My name's Jimmy Moore, international best-selling author of Keto Clarity and the brand new book, Real Food Keto. And I'm joined each and every Thursday by my functional medicine practitioner, uh, practitioner uh, co-host. He's got me choked up today. Dr. Will Cole is his name. He's also an international best-selling author of the book, Ketotarian. What's up, Will? Don't cry talking about me, Jimmy. It's all right. <laughs> I just can't help myself. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's such a pleasure to do this show with you because you're one of the kindest, most humble people that I know. And I, I just I like teaming up with people like that um, who have a heart for people. And your heart, I know, is to help as many people as you possibly can, which is why you wrote your book. It's why you go speak at all these conferences conferences that you do. And uh, if I don't tell you often enough, I really appreciate all that you do for the keto community. Oh, thanks so much, Jimmy. It means a lot. And I feel the same way about you. You're doing amazing work. And just I see on social media how many people's lives you are impacting. Uh, so I'm honored to be a part of this show and and the work that we're doing here. All right, enough of that sappy stuff. Let's get to the meat of the matter of what we talk about on this show. Uh, That was not planned, by the way, you guys. I just felt on my heart to let Will know how much I appreciate him. So, Uh, But the World Cancer Research Fund, have you ever seen these guys out there? They've been, uh, you know, basically trying to be a fundraiser for cancer, um, you know, and research and things like that. Well, they've now put out Will what they think is the healthy cancer preventing diet uh, and and their philosophy as it relates to uh, what you should be eating for cancer. So on this uh, link that we'll have in the show notes section at ketotalk.com, it's really bright, big, limit red and processed meat. Eat no more than moderate amounts of red meat and little of, of any Processed meats. And I I guess what gets me the most about these proclamations about red meat and cancer is they always lump together red meat with processed meats as if they're the same thing, number one. But then number two, they don't really ever get into what exactly is wrong with those things. Yeah, and I I agree. They lump the two together, which is not good. Uh, And 
they also, when you look at the different types, the quality of the red meats, just like the quality of any meat, really, um, it's an oversimplified perspective of it. And look, I'm, I wrote a plant-based, mostly plant-based ketogenic book. I, I get there's a nuanced conversation to this, and I think that there is unhealthy red meat, but I think there's unhealthy any type of meat. Um, and we need to be mindful of that. But it goes back to the diet heart hypothesis. It goes back to the fact that they think the total cholesterol is not good and anything that can or may raise cholesterol levels equals bad. Uh, and I think we know that to be has a lot of holes in it as far as uh, health theories go. Yeah, it's just unfortunate because the general public that doesn't have the awareness of the various nuances that you just described, um, they're going to look at that and go, oh, my gosh, well, this major cancer group, they say limit red and processed meat. So it must be the gospel truth. And I, I guess that's what is the most frustrating as someone who's trying to advocate for consuming those things, if if they give you health and longevity, uh, why wouldn't you do those? And so people are being discouraged away from a, a perfectly healthy food uh, for them to be consuming. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Well, let's get to the part of the show where we talk about various hot topics. These are uh, kind of a conglomeration of a lot of similar questions that we get from our audience of listeners. So thank you guys for listening and submitting your questions. And the first hot topic today, can you eat keto without having very much saturated fat because of an APOE4 genotype? So that's a genetic predisposition for not being able to consume uh, saturated fat without negative consequences to your cardiovascular and overall health. Is there any veracity to uh, uh, lowering the saturated fat for people like that? Yes, I would advocate for that. Uh, people that have a 4-4 or 3-4, um, 4-4s are more problematic than the 3-4s, but uh, both I would advocate uh, going for monounsaturated plant fats uh, and omega fats from fish. Yeah. So that is, that doesn't mean to dump the concept of the ketogenic diet. It just means you want to personalize it based on their own biochemistry. In this, in this case, their genetics. So, and I would say when you look at the APOE4 and the research that's out there, specifically with Alzheimer's disease, yes. we know the benefits, the brain benefits of the ketogenic diet. So does that mean that APOE4, yes, increases Alzheimer's risk, increases heart attack and stroke risks? So we know the neuro benefits of the ketogenic diet. So I would still advocate ketogenic diet for people with increased risk of Alzheimer's, but they should just do it for, with more monounsaturated fats and uh, polyunsaturated omega fats, all from real foods, obviously. Is there a percentage that you would recommend? Like I know Christine talks about uh, that what she was taught with the Nutritional Therapy uh, Association was a 60% monounsaturated, 30% saturated, and 10% poly. Uh, what would the breakdown be for someone with an APOE4 genotype? If they had a 4-4, I would limit it to probably less than 10% of saturated fat or removing it as much as you can. Uh, to having it minimal. We know that many real food or whole food, what we mean is whole food fats, have a mixture of different types of fats where it may be That's right. majority polyunsaturated fats, but still has some saturated fat. So it's these foods that we're throwing out there, they they do have other types of fat within the same right. food. Right. Um, but I still would say in general, minimize it as much as you can for the 4-4. For the 3-4, you probably could increase that a little bit more. But Here's the bigger picture. We're not just our genetics as well. I think there's other facets we have to look at. So for anybody with these genetic alleles, we can give these windows of, of, of recommendations. But ultimately, I think you should run your labs, look at where your, your numbers are at, look where your inflammation levels are, look where your cholesterol le levels are, um, and running an NMR test and looking at the subfractionation and seeing what's right for your body. Because there yeah. are People with genetic predispositions for things, it doesn't mean they're going to get the disease. That's right. Uh, and, and it may, may not even be expressed in a way where you can even measure it. It's just something that they know genetically they have, but hey, their labs look fine. So it's a lot more complicated than just looking at the APOE4. But generally speaking, 
I would limit saturated fat and but still get the benefits of a ketogenic diet for people with these genetic alleles. I want a t-shirt that says epigenetics is greater than genetics. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, by the way, APOE, you can ask your doctor to run that uh, APOE genotype and what you're looking for are, are the numbers. So it's two, four, three, four, three, three, four, four, all the different ones. I'm a three, three. Uh, I had it run. And once you have it run, you never have to run it again. You know what your number is. So it's uh, definitely something if you're a little nerdy and you want to dig deeper into things that might be going on in your metabolism, that's a good one to run. Well, the second hot topic, are there special considerations with keto for people who have had their thyroid completely removed? What's that called? A thyroidectomy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, not specifically. I, there's not a specific you know, consideration with the ketogenic diet specifically for people that have had a, their thyroid removed. But with any way of eating or with any way of just living, someone with their thyroid removed is obviously going to have to be on a thyroid replacement hormone. And the problem that I see a lot with people with thyroidectomies, and I actually see a lot of patients with a thyroidectomy by the time they get to me, maybe they had some nodules on it or some precancerous cells or they had uh, autoimmune disease like Hashimoto's or Gray's and they just removed it because of the autoimmune attack against the thyroid or they're having these hyperthyroid states. Um, I would say uh, you should definitely have a full thyroid hormone panel ran to look at your TSH, look at your T4, look at your T3, look at the thyroid antibodies. Because even if you had your thyroid removed, oftentimes I still see there may be some tissue, uh, some thyroid tissue still left and you're still producing thyroid antibodies or if you are maybe taking a, a natural thyroid replacement hormone, in theory, there could be some autoimmune reactivity against that as well. Um, but regardless, I, I have seen um, incomplete thyroid labs done from a conventional standpoint. Uh, and we're, we have to look at the conversion of T4 to T3, look at if there is still an autoimmune reactivity against maybe a partial thyroidectomy. Um, that you want to have this looked at. But that applies to anybody, not just people eating the ketogenic diet. Right. The ketogenic diet is really stabilizing as far as inflammation is concerned. It's stabilizing for blood sugar, stabilizing for insulin. These are all really good things for your thyroid hormones. So if anything, I think it's a good a step in the right direction for people that you want to make sure that they're having optimal hormone pathways. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get to the third hot topic. Why would vitamin A levels skyrocket on keto and can there be a toxic elevation of it to be concerned about? Now, vitamin A is very rich in a lot of animal-based foods. Could that be the reason? Yeah, it has to be an intake of some specific food that they're eating. Uh, this is not common with the ketogenic diet. This is not common for any whole food diet, you know, toxic vitamin A, normally from food alone. Normally what I see it is when people are supplementing ah, with it yeah. or like they're having maybe a cod liver oil supplement. Mm -hmm. I've seen this probably more than anything, which we know in the paleo world and in the keto world over the years, cod liver oil is, is first of all, a wonderful food medicine. Don't get yes. me wrong, but sometimes people are overdoing it and they're having too much of it because they think this, if, if a little bit's good, a <laughs> yeah. lot of it's even greater. Well, they're doing like and three, I've four heard, tablespoons worth? What, what are they doing? Yeah, I mean, the serving side's like a teaspoon of like cod liver oil and people are like triple, quadruple dosing it for long periods of time and it can become toxic. It's a fat soluble vitamin. So it's not, you're not gonna pee it out. It's gonna store in your, in your body. Uh, so it's definitely something normally comes from supplementation. I don't see it coming from their breakfast, lunch, and dinner, just from foods. But the highest vitamin A, and we're talking about true vitamin A, like retinol, is, is beef liver, lamb liver, uh, cod liver oil, and king uh, like mackerel and salmon and tuna, like these fish. So mega doses typically is coming from cod liver oil out of that list. In theory, I guess someone could be supplementing with beef liver capsules too, but I don't see that. Um, driving vitamin A levels, but you can run it. It's this basic test. You can just run a retinol blood test and get your levels. If you are eating a lot of these foods or supplementing with one of these foods, you can look and see where your vitamin A levels are. Plant foods like um, uh, beta carotene, like sweet potatoes or carrots, the conversion to the true vitamin A is really poor. So I really uh, have never seen a toxic vitamin A uh, from plant beta carotene rich foods. The only true vitamin A 
is in fish or, you know, other meat, like called, uh, like the red, red meat. Right. What would be the manifestation physically of someone who has a toxic level, high level of vitamin A? It can cause liver problems. It can cause cardiovascular problems. It's not good for our body to be in high levels. Most of the world is deficient in vitamin A. Right. Uh, and the, the problem is a whole host of different autoimmune problems and immune dysregulation and inflammatory problems because vitamin A is really this attenuator of a lot of different inflammatory pathways and a, a healthy modulator of our immune system. So normally the, I'm telling people they need to be having more vitamin A, not less, but there are ex- instances where I have seen toxic levels of vitamin A and almost all came from supplementation. Right. That was a good one. So let's get to the fourth hot topic. What's the mechanism that would cause weight gain when people start eating low carb, high fat? Uh, And we've talked about this issue before, and I guess we'll keep talking about it till kingdom come. But there are so many other issues related to weight that have nothing at all to do with your diet. Could that be the major uh, uh, contributor to this? Absolutely. I think when you're talking about foundation, food is foundational uh, and it's going to improve a lot of different dysfunctional mechanisms at play. But that doesn't mean it's going to fix all the mechanisms at play, depending on the severity of the dysfunction that's going on, depending on how long you've been going through it. Um, And, you know, just dysfunction in general, they can be improved with food changes, but doesn't mean it's improved 100 percent for everybody. So some things to consider. Uh, as far as mechanisms are concerned, that would be making it difficult to lose weight or something that would cause you to gain weight when you start eating the ketogenic diet is number one is you're not actually in ketosis. That's something to think about. You start going for these keto friendly foods and you think you've gone keto, but you aren't really tapping into uh, nutritional ketosis and you may be calorically eating more food than you're used to. Maybe you go go from like a calorie-restrictive diet and then to jumping into all these calorically rich healing foods, but calorically rich, uh, you may just be uh, eating too much for your body if you're not tapping into ketosis. Um, and then to that second point is you are eating too much uh, for your body. Uh, we know, and generally the, the guidelines for a ketogenic diet is eat when you are hungry, eat when you are eat until you are satiated. But there are certain people with metabolisms that aren't the best that uh, should be uh, integrating some time restricted feeding, some fasting mechanisms while their body is healing, so that hormonally can be more in sync and more sensitive as far as these hormonal uh, commu- communication pathways. And then conversely, I see people not eating enough many times is that they're just not satiating their body with these nutrients that you need for healthy metabolism. Um, and then obviously the age old um, problem for some people is just they're eating too much protein and that's impacting their uh, weight as well. Uh, and food sensitivities. How could I not mention that first? <laughs> but people can be eating keto foods, but be sensitive to dairy or sensitive yes. to something else. Uh, and it's keto friendly, but it's causing this low grade inflammatory problem and it's stalling weight loss. And then to your point, looking at things like leptin and looking at things like the thy- thyroid hormones, looking at things like insulin, all of these things take time to heal. A lot of these these hormonal resistances and imbalances can be improved with a ketogenic diet, but it may take time. And we have to look at all these differentials to see what's best for you. And histamines and... Uh, lack of sleep. I mean, there's just so many ways that you could go with this one. Uh, I really hate that the onus all gets put on diet when someone doesn't lose weight when they go on any given diet, uh, because the the it's not just predicated by what you're eating. Yeah, exactly. We all have our own set of things when we're coming into eating the ketogenic diet, and we kind of have to realize they don't. They all don't go away when you start eating clean. <laughs> You're bringing that baggage to this relationship. So don't don't yeah. uh, dump that keto uh, uh, just yet. Court, court the keto a little bit longer and then you'll find, oh, they're not so bad after all. <laughs> well, let's get to the fifth hot topic. Why do nutritionists think a ketogenic diet will crash your adrenals and what could be done to prevent this? So several people sent questions about hearing nutritionists telling they can't go keto because it'll, quote, crash their adrenals. What's up with that? Yeah, this is I never really understood this. There's not a lot of 
there's no real studies to show this. Uh, what is the because what I would say from actual clinical experience and seeing thousands of patients over the years, the ketogenic diet is actually really therapeutic for people with HPA access issues. Now, obviously, there's nuance to this and we can customize it. And I don't want to make broad sweeping statements here. But one of the hallmarks of HPA access issues are brain adrenal, hypothalamic, pituitary adrenal axis, which is what adrenal fatigue is, is insulin and blood sugar being off. Uh, so one of the best stabilizers of insulin and, and blood sugar problems is ketogenic diet. So I would say this, the the context of this, this question is I have seen people who are stuck in this sort of metabolic purgatory. They're just jumping into the ketogenic diet. They have adrenal fatigue or HPA access issues. They cut their sugar back. They cut their carbs back, but they aren't fully fat adapted either. So they're in this metabolic purgatory. And for a while, they could feel worse uh, because their body is in this sugar burning mode and they're they're not fully uh, fat adapted yet. So that could be a problem in the short term. In the long term, as the brain and the and the, and the metabolism is becoming more metabolic flag, me metabolically flexible, this is actually a great thing. And you want to get somebody with HPA axis to be more about metabolically flexible. Um, so that's the one thing I could think about of why people would say, well, don't do that. Um, but uh, I, I see it being a really good tool to actually use for people with adrenal fatigue, or at least consider it in some capacity. Um, and then a second point that I, I thought of was sometimes people with HPA axis issues or adrenal fatigue have that wired and tired feeling, and they get that PM slump in the afternoon of energy. They're like super tired. And then they get this second burst of energy in the evening, and then they have trouble falling asleep. I have seen some patients going into ketosis, eating a ketogenic diet, and they actually have, for in the short term, they actually have even more of a second wind in the evening, and they have trouble falling asleep. But for those people, again, it's just about tailoring this concept of the ketogenic diet for that individual. For those people, typically, we just increase their carbs in the evening. We kind of don't have carbs as much during the day, but in the evening have more to help with that satiating effect. Uh, of uh, carbs to help their sleep at night. They still are getting the benefits of ketosis. They're just yep. tailoring it. So again, I think this is back to that Jillian Michaels problem. They make broad sweeping overgeneralized statements without looking at how you can make this work for each person. Oh man, I thought we were going to get through a whole episode without mentioning Jillian's name. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Well, that guys, that's it for this hot topics. Let's get to the kickoff question. And this one comes from Angie. Hey guys, I love this podcast. I've been keto for more than two years now. One thing I still struggle with is feeling like I don't get enough veggies in my diet. I used to be mostly raw vegan. I still think of plants as living foods that provide living properties like antioxidants that heal the body. And sometimes I feel torn between wanting to make veggie juices or green smoothies instead of cooked meats and other animal-based keto foods because I always thought of them as dead foods. The ironic thing is I know I feel best in ketosis with more energy, stable mood, and no joint pain. Should I be concerned about having these thoughts? Is it really okay to be consuming cooked meats and smaller amounts of non-starchy vegetables? I guess I'm looking for confirmation that this is enough nutrition to build healthy cells. Please help ease my mind, Angie. Now, if only we knew somebody that wrote a book about doing a plant-based ketogenic diet. Oh, we do. Uh, my co-host, Dr. Will Cole, ketotarian. Oh, yeah. I forgot, <laughs> forgot I wrote that. <laughs> you could definitely eat the ketogenic diet being mostly plant-based or exclusively plant-based. And this is the conversation that I bring up in Ketotarian, that you... Uh, as someone that ate a vegan diet for 10 years, I totally get where Angie's coming from and having this sort of realization of is what you're doing working for you for optimal health. So the the conversation that I bring up in Ketotarian is can you uh, bring some of these foods back in like maybe eggs or like wild caught fish, but still be predominantly plant centric or there are some people that want to be entirely vegan keto and I still wanted to give them an option options in ketotarian. It's predominantly yeah. vegan keto, but let's give people some variety. And most people that are doing this for health, they're willing to bring in some of these other foods back in, but you could still be very fresh, 
clean, plant-centric, and be keto. Uh, it You just have to go with what works for your body. How do you feel? Um, so maybe explore some of the options we have in Ketotarian. And look, as she mentioned, like smoothies and things like that. I mean, there's so many yummy keto smoothies we have in the book, and I'm sure in other books as well, uh, where the macros look amazing. And you, you still can think, oh, I'm a, I'm a vegan or I'm a vegetarian, but you're still fat adapted which is what we all have in common here on this show is being metabolically flexible, not being one way of doing uh, yes. the ketogenic diet. Yeah. Angie brings up a really interesting point. Her perception is that she has to eat these cooked meats and that she would minimize her vegetable intake. That's how I'm eating now. I'm doing kind of a mostly carnivorous type of diet um, right now because I know that's what works and is helping me. Whereas someone like her, she's, she looks like she probably tends to do better with more vegetables, which is why I love your book. I know you've caught in some, uh, flack from people. Oh, what are you doing? Pushing plant-based keto. And I'm going, guys, there's people that will thrive eating more plant matter. And there's people that will thrive eating more meat. I don't think we need to be at odds with each other as long as we're both getting benefits in our health. Yeah. And I think that, that you look at both ways of do, doing the ketogenic diet. I think you take one person and there'll be seasons in their life where they do better with one or the other. Um, so I think variety really is important for, for a lot of people. Uh, and I even even um, with two seemingly polar opposite ways of doing the ketogenic diet, I actually think both are actually great. Uh, yeah. But you have to be done for the individual and what works for them. The Twinkies, Doritos, and Coca-Cola diet doesn't work for anybody. So I think we all agree on that one. <laughs> well, let's pause here for uh, some sponsors, and we'll be right back. Living la vida low-carb, talking about a low-carb diet. Uh -huh. Getting your body healthy, and ain't no doubt about it. Yeah, it's really about ketosis, a ketogenic life. Yeah, a real-time indicator for ketosis called ketonics. It measures your breath for ketones. Are you burning fat? Uh -huh. It's the first of its kind. All my ketonians, where you at? Hey, I'm just here to let you know. Wanna look and feel incredible. We live in la vida low-carb. Get your body healthy and live long. Hey, keep my fats high, high. And my carbs low, need my glucose down right now, pronto. Check my ketones, look at the stats, yo. With ketonics, now I'm in the burning fat zone. Ketonics, we burning fat, yeah, we own it, yeah, yeah. With ketonics, I'm burning fat and I'm on it, yeah, yeah. Living la vida low carb, I do this every day. If you want to burn that fat, it ain't no other way, yeah. Go to ketonics.co. And for my international followers, it's ketonics.com. Check out LifeSense products featuring the most potent C8 MCT oil and powder, BHB exogenous ketone salts with only natural sweeteners, and new to the world, C8 MCT oil for dogs. All of these products are scientifically formulated by Dr. Alvin Berger, who is the world-renowned lipid biochemist and nutritionist, as well as an expert in ketogenic fats. LifeSense has developed a custom easy pour bottle for C8 MCT oil, and they've introduced more innovative state-of-the-art nutritional products. Go to LifeSenseProducts.com to get your premium products all proudly made in the USA for the low-carb lifestyle. LifeSenseProducts.com. We're back here on Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. KetoTalk.com is the website if you want to get full show notes for this and every episode. And we're up to the health headlines portion of the show. We like to see what's making headlines in the world of health. And this first one comes from the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. What are the long-term effects of a ketogenic diet? And so it goes into how this is a big trend right now. Uh, and that they're wanting to know, hey, are there long-term effects that could come from this? Uh, I know your friend, Dr. Josh Axe, was uh, quoted in this story talking about keto. Um, and, of course, they always have to bring in a, an alternative viewpoint. And so uh, they talk about it being a restrictive diet and that people go keto. Uh, one of the, the gentlemen, uh, Dr. Donald Hensrud from the Mayo Clinic, uh, says that uh, people are looking for a magic panacea when they go keto, thinking it's going to do really good things for them. 
but he describes it as very hard over the long term. People miss fruits, vegetables and grains. I have never once in my entire low carb keto journey missed grains. The Grains do nothing for me. I never have. It's so hard. It becomes a very restrictive diet for most people, although people lose weight initially. Maintaining it, keeping it off long term is a real challenge. I always want to ask, Will, why? Why, when you find something that's pleasurable and enjoyable and you get into a groove of eating that way, why would it feel restrictive? Why do you, where is he coming from? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that when you look at the standard American diet or even these sort of healthier general advice where they just like eat, you know, eat a eat your grains and have this like sort of cleaner way of doing the the junk food diet that a lot of the conventional dietitians and the conventional doctors kind of say to to eat eat your whole grains and you know eat avoid fats and that kind of stuff um that is it's 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 almost radical to avoid <laughs> grains for certain people and they it's like a drug for people and it can be you know you can I've seen people cry when we talk about grains. Yeah. I've seen people get really uh, angry about it because <laughs> it is uh, such a central part of our culture, as well as we know there are physiological mechanisms that make these foods uh, addictive for some people. And the good news is they did have some ketogenic researchers that quoted in there as well who said there are a lot of things that change how medicines work in the body and nutrition is one of those. So if you're making a change in the, your nutrition, you need to be aware. And I love that they put that in this story because a lot of people go keto. And I had a lady just like three or four weeks ago, Will, she was like, oh, this keto diet keeps giving me hypoglycemia. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? She said, Oh, well, I'm I'm still taking my diabetes medication. So she sends me the med name and I look it up. Its role is to uh, basically you know, stir on insulin production. So she's yeah. she's not eating carbs and she's stirring yeah. on insulin production. Duh. So she yeah, came off a, of that. Yes. And so she yeah. uh, she came off of that medication and now her blood sugars are completely normal without the medication. Yeah, I see that actually a lot with. Type 2 diabetics, uh, they're on these medications like lamepiride or any one of them, right, yeah. that's impacting blood sugar. Uh, they're blaming it on the diet, but they're just they're still medicating for what they needed uh, when they were sick. And as their body's improving, they just need less medications because right. guess what? Healthy people don't need all the medications. They that's can right. start reducing it. So that's the time to check your blood sugar, talk with your doctor, say, hey, doc, I'm getting healthy. Uh, and they should adjust your medications as you improve. That's um, that is definitely the truth. The sad thing with that lady is she said, my doctor refuses to see me for another six weeks. And so she's sitting here. She's had hypoglycemia since October, every single meal. And it's like, wow. OK, somebody should have clued you in by now. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. I, I was able to help her out. But man. How many people don't hire somebody to help them out and then the mainstream medicine lets them down? We could do a whole yeah. show just about that topic. So. <laughs> well, let's get to the next health headline. Not all carbs are bad. Study shows high carb diets can promote healthy brain aging. Carbohydrates have been developing a rather bad reputation in the 21st century. And from low carb, high fat diets to more restrictive ketogenic regimes, it seems the growing consensus has simply become carbs are bad, but a new study out of the University of Sydney suggests that a low-protein, high-carb diet can promote healthy aging and improve brain health, perhaps even slowing the onset of dementia. So it goes into this research that these Aussie researchers are doing, and of course, it is only an animal-based model. And we've talked about this before, that these aren't necessarily the best studies to look at human application. But what do you think about the study and what were the highlights to you or lowlights? <laughs> yeah, I think it's again, it's just overgeneralized correlation and then making that, uh, you know, an indictment on everybody to, to eat a certain way. Yeah, uh, I do. I but then they mentioned the Okinawans and in J Japan, and they say they they quoted they said the, the traditional diet of Okinawa is around nine percent protein, which is similar to our study, which sources include fish and uh, other. And they mentioned the carbohydrates being sweet potatoes. Right. So, you know, I think that they are making really generalized statements here. But the reality is, a lot of these foods are really can be part of a ketogenic diet, anyways. 
uh, and we can you can bring in these healthy foods, these real foods that Okinawans eat. And who's to say it's not the healthy omega fats that are in these foods that are making them live long and they're not eating processed junk foods and refined stuff. I don't I think it's interesting that they put the, the predominance of the benefits as being carbs and not the real foods that these people are eating. I think that's a that's a piece that is always missing in these conversations. People say, well, people go vegan and they feel better. Well, yeah, they cut out the processed crap. So uh, I I think that's the biggest reason why when people make any diet change to more of a real foods based type of diet, whether it's vegan, paleo, keto, whatever, that's why they feel better initially. But what keeps them feeling better over the long term, uh, which is what we try to talk about on this show. Exactly. And again, back to the point we always make. A ketogenic diet isn't a no-carb diet for most people. Right. Uh, it is a low-carb diet. You're still having carbs from vegetables. This is not uh, a, a radical move as far as food is concerned. Yeah. Well, let's get to the next headline. This one's from Berkeley Wellness. Trans fats going, going, gone. This past June, I was pleased to note the passing of the deadline that the FDA gave manufacturers and restaurants to stop using partially hydrogenated oils in their products. This follows the FDA's decision in 2015 to remove these, uh, which which is the main source of artificial trans fats from its list of food ingredients uh, that are uh, generally recognized as safe. So they go through um, and talk about how these are being removed from the uh, food supply. Um, and they hope that it's the end of an era and that we'll see positive benefits as a direct result of this. The only problem, though, is some of these substitutes, they're now kind of poo-pooing now, uh you know, and, and going, OK, well, what are we going to choose now? So it looks like a lot of the things that they're trying to push towards now is more vegetable oils. And that's no better than trans fats. Not at all. Uh, it's these are inflammatory. These are one of the top things I have patients be mindful of when they are eating out because it's in just about everything. Yes. And you could look at a menu and say, OK, I can have this. I can have this. But you have to look at also what it's cooked in. If you and some people can really have digestive problems from these oils. And obviously we know it's not uh, healthy fat just because something's a uh, fat or you know, it's a higher fat food doesn't mean it's healthy. And uh, these processed oils definitely are not healthy. By the way, hat tip to our listener, Kate, who sent this along to me and her commentary was, seriously, are we supposed to make food determinations based on, quote, unclear effects, end quote, on the heart and whether it harms the environment? I believe everything in the grocery store should be examined by those two things alone. Nothing would be left except for products from local farmers. And since when are vegetable oils considered whole unprocessed foods? So, Kate, you you made me laugh with that. So I really appreciate that uh, headline. I thought that was a good one. Yeah. Well, let's get to the final health headline. And it's from Science Daily. Getting yeast to make artificial sweets. Uh, This came in over the holiday season, and it looks like uh, that they're trying to create stevia, stevia, stevia from yeast. Now it helps the production um, of it uh, to to be in larger quantities. Everybody's asking for more and more of this sweetener. Is this a good or a bad thing? I think that the goal here, the way that I understood it on the article on Science Daily was to create a better taste, like not so much the having the aftertaste that some people don't like with the stevia or stevia. Uh, So I'd have to try it and see see what it tastes like and look at the nutritional data on it. But I think it does show when people are really looking for these low carb, uh, more natural uh, sweetener options. I, I'm all for it and improving the taste. If something's going to be healthy and taste better for people, yeah, uh, I think it's a good move. Uh, and I think food uh, manufacturers, food companies are looking for ways to make these lower carb foods taste better for people to keep the sales up and to keep people wanting to come back for more. And I think in, in general, it's a good good idea that people are looking into this as far as research is concerned. But I always wonder when they start messing with it and, uh, you know, we've talked about genetically modified foods and things like that. And they start, you know, trying to produce things in a lab, so to speak, to make them, quote, taste better. What are they doing to make that happen and what are the ramifications of that? So that's that's kind of what always goes in the back of my mind. Well, all right, what's this going to do to the <laughs> to the healthfulness yeah. of it? 
you're right. You're processing a food to some some degree. So I think it's good to vet anything like this, any right. development uh, out there. But if it's just taking stevia, stevia and making it taste better through this yeast fermentation process, it may be fine in the end. It's just a preparation issue. We shall see. Well, we're up to the study portion of the show. And the headline of the study, Diabetes Type 2 Warning, the one weight loss diet plan that could cause high blood sugar. Diabetes type 2 risk could be lowered by making changes to your diet or lifestyle. And following this weight loss plan could result in higher blood sugar, according to scientists. And so what could this diet be? Uh, So the ketogenic diet is what they're referring to, designed to help people lose weight ultra fast, it says. Uh, and is generally regarded as healthy, but the diet plan is actually increasing the risk of type 2 diabetes, according to this study. Uh, They revealed that there was a link between diabetes and the weight loss diet plan. The scientists are trying to uncover exactly why. Diabetes is one of the biggest health issues we face, says the study author Christian Wolfram. Although ketogenic diets are known to be healthy, Our findings indicate that there may be an increased risk of insulin resistance with this type of diet that may lead to type 2 diabetes. Are they referring to kind of this physiologic insulin resistance that happens with elevations in blood glucose in the morning, which we've talked about ad nauseum isn't a big deal? Um, Is that what they're talking about? I believe the study they're referencing is a recent study um, not too long ago, I don't know the exact month, maybe yeah. last summer sometime, but basically it was a, mu- a mouse study. And we know that um, there are problems with mice, mice studies when you're talking about the right. ketogenic diet, mainly because mice eat exclusively carbohydrate-rich diets. Uh, so they're not the best, not the best way to look at high fat diets because look, we'll look at the human studies with the ketogenic diet. It's actually great for type two diabetes. People are able to get off their medications and they get very healthy, uh, to say, you know, to use the headline, uh, the type two diabetes and the fact that the ketogenic diet causes type two diabetes. It was a study on mice, not in humans. The studies done on humans have been shown to be really beneficial right. for people, uh, with that. So keep that in mind. I think that there's there's definitely a nuanced conversation with this of metabolic flexibility and long-term ketosis and should you do a cyclical approach. I think that that's a conversation. But I think that when you look at the study and then say the ketogenic diet may cause type 2 diabetes, it definitely is not what the study is saying. And we can look at better studies for humans and say that's definitely not the case. Well, any clinician would tell you carbohydrate restricts someone and you're going to make their diabetes better. You've seen it. Dr. Westman has seen it. Dr. Nally has seen it. Everybody that's a clinician using this approach is seeing better, not worse results in type 2 diabetes. Just look at A1C levels. They don't go up, guys. (laughs) They go way down. Nothing but a good thing. Yeah, those kind of ones tick me off. But that's why we talk about them here on Keto Talk. (laughs) This is the place that we talk about it. This is a safe place for all of you guys. (laughs) Yes. Well, guys, we're going to take another break. We'll be right back with today's featured questions. Do you miss ketchup on your low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic lifestyle? Then let me introduce you to AlternaSweets, AlternaSweets.com, the healthy option for ketchup. It's sweetened with stevia and has the highest quality non-GMO ingredients. There are no artificial ingredients at all. In fact, there's no added sugar of any kind and keto ketchup that actually tastes like real ketchup. Guys, I have been using this and it is now my favorite condiment in my kitchen. Alterna Sweets offers free shipping on all U.S. orders and there is a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't love it as much as Jimmy Moore does, they will refund your money and you don't even have to send it back. Again, it's called Alterna Sweets. Head on over to AlternaSweets.com and you can get your hands on this keto ketchup. Alterna Sweets. Are you looking for a quick keto meal that has not just a little bit of protein in it, but also all the electrolytes, vitamins, protein, fat, and more that will meet one third of your daily needs? 
then let me introduce you to Keto Chow. It's a quick and easy to mix shake that is designed to give you a complete ketogenic meal. You're able to customize the calories because you decide how much fat to add. Most people mix it with heavy whipping cream, but you can also use avocado oil, coconut cream, a little MCT oil, or any other fat of your choice. Keto Chow is designed specifically for people on the go to replace one to two meals in their day. It comes in eight flavors, including chocolate, vanilla, chocolate peanut butter, cookies and cream, strawberry, mocha, banana, and salted caramel in both individual meal samples as well as a large 21 meal bag. There's also a sample of all the things bundle that has one of each flavor plus a Keto Chow blender bottle to get you started. Head on over to JimmyLovesKetoChow.com and use the coupon code LLVLC to get 10% off of your first order. JimmyLovesKetoChow.com We're back here on Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. KetoTalk.com is the website, and we are up to the first featured question of the day. This one is from Kim. Hi, Jimmy and Will. I have read your books. I'm fully dedicated to the keto lifestyle. I was wondering if you guys could share your thoughts on how to stay properly balanced with your gut pH, alkaline versus acid, while pursuing ketosis. It seems adding in a small amount of grains along with non-starchy vegetables that you consume on keto would be enough to balance this out. Does this make sense or do you have another perspective on this that I'm not yet understanding? Any help on this would be greatly appreciated, Kim. So Kim wants to know what is necessary for properly balancing the gut pH levels when you eat keto. Can you describe why this is an important subject first and then how you balance it? Yeah, so the pH in our microbiome, basically the acidity to basic uh, ratio of the microbiome, we, we want it to actually be more acidic in the microbiome. We want it to be more of an acidic uh, environment for the bacteria in our microbiome. Why is that? Uh, so, What's the purpose of that? So the trillions of bacteria in our gut, known as the microbiome, they, through fermenting fiber from vegetables, make short-chain fatty acids, the key word being acids there, uh, and they, they have butyrates, one of them. We know butyrate has a lot of the similar benefits as beta-hydroxybutyrate in the microbiome. So the main mechanism is not only the production of short-chain fatty acids, which are really important for our health, but being more acidic uh, in the microbiome uh, inhibits the growth of opportunistic bacteria and pathogenic bacteria. So long-term, if you are in a more basic uh, microbiome, this can allow things like dysbiosis or bacterial overgrowth, like weeds overgrowing in this gut garden, or things like actual SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth because of a loss of good pH or acidic pH in the microbiome, or things like candida overgrowth. Things like this can shift the immune system. It can cause digestive problems. They're associated with different autoimmune problems as well. So you need a healthy acidic environment in the gut to maintain the checks and balances of population control and keep the bacteria where it should be. And what there's a lot of really exciting studies done over the past years looking at these different beneficial bacteria, uh, things like bifidobacterium, things that are associated with a healthy human microbiome, that a loss of these healthy predominant uh, bacteria is in part due to a raising of the pH. Uh, because of the standard American diet, because people aren't eating vegetables long term, this is impacting short chain fatty acid production and shifting the pH. So one of the best ways to have healthy microbiome diversity is eating plant foods, specifically, I mean, obviously we talk about fiber uh, here with non-starchy vegetables, but resistant starch uh, specifically uh, is really good at improving uh, microbiome diversity and helping feed out these beneficial bacteria. And they keep the opportunistic and pathogenic bacteria at bay. So something that is keto friendly that you can do, and we've talked about it in past years on the show, is something called cold potato starch. It's not like, it's not yummy. You don't like eat it up and like mm, potato starch, but it, just a couple of t tablespoons, you stir it in water, uh, it's has been shown to have a really positive effect 
on the microbiome. And these things don't break down into glucose. They don't spike your blood sugar. They don't spike your insulin. They're not going to impact your ketosis negatively. If anything, it may improve ketosis because of a healthier microbiome uh, levels. So they're just basically food for the microbiome. Just think of them as like bacteria food that doesn't uh, impact uh, ketosis at all negatively. Uh, so that's some other, I mean, in, in addition to the cold potato starch, getting other roughage and, you know, things like uh, even if you tolerate it, if you're a little bit more, uh, if you're not as sensitive to these foods like lentils and peas uh, that are still keto friendly, uh, those, are, those also contain some resistant starch. Uh, and the small amounts of grains that Kim mentioned, why, why would she go to grains first? Yeah, no, there's no need to. There's so much more fiber and starch in these in these other foods I mentioned. There's no reason to go to grains. So I, I don't see a reason for that at all, other than personal preference, if you want to go for it. But you're getting so much more uh, starch and fiber uh, and way less problems as the grains have. Yeah. Well, Kim, thank you for your question. We're up to the second featured question of the day. It's from Delena. Hello, Jimmy and Dr. Cole. I'm a 40-year-old female. I've been battling autoimmune disease. Shrogan's, uh, how do you say that word? Sjogren's. Sjogren's syndrome. Yeah. For more than 10 years, I've made great strides. I started to get melasma when I was 30 years old, and I'm convinced that this is from my hormones going haywire. I'm no longer taking Placaril or Placanil for pain and inflammation since going keto three months ago. And I haven't felt this good in years, but I really hate the melasma and want to see my body fully heal from this and my autoimmune disease. Will this eventually start showing signs of healing if I stay in nutritional ketosis? And is there anything else I can do along with keto that can help spur this on? So Delena's question is, will autoimmune diseases and issues like she's uh, dealing with ever fully heal with a ketogenic nutritional approach? So melasma are basically brown patches. Uh, they are associated, the brown patches on your face typically or your arms or somewhere on your skin. Uh, they, are, they are commonly associated with autoimmune thyroid issues or Hashimoto's disease. Some women can notice them during pregnancy with the shift of hormones in the immune system. Uh, and Sjogren's is uh, an autoimmune condition that is associated with dry eyes, dry mouth, uh, that is the hallmark sign of Sjogren's disease. These are two different issues that as a functional medicine practitioner, I've seen a lot of over the years. And I, to answer this question, I would say we have to take it back to the top of the show when we mentioned why somebody could be having trouble losing weight with, on the ketogenic diet uh, or, you know, gaining weight on the ketogenic diet. Yeah. I think that they, these are the ketogenic diet is a great cornerstone foundation to to start lowering inflammation and calming insulin and glucose levels and just eating real foods that are nutrient dense in and of themselves independent of ketosis. I think that all of this is really a good start to say that, you know, they're going to fully heal um, uh, on, with the ketogenic diet alone. I think it's way too strong of a statement to say that. My goal from a functional medicine standpoint is to deal with all the factors that are going on, use food as medicine primarily, and then any advanced protocols we need to be um, leaning into as well, independent of food. Um, but that's my goal uh, is to, to decrease the frequency and intensity of these problems. There's no cure for autoimmunity. Let's just be clear with that. Right. You can decrease volatility of symptoms. You can modulate the immune system. You can put things into remission and live a long, healthy, symptom-free life. And I have big hopes for people with Sjogren's and other autoimmune conditions. But to say that that you just go keto and it's going to cure all autoimmune conditions, that's that's not how it works. It's right. not as simple as that. Well, Delena, thank you for that question. Hopefully that helped you out. And we're up to the third featured question of the day. This one's from Ed. Hi, Jimmy and Will. I started keto three weeks ago. I recently had some blood work done that shocked me. I had a huge spike in triglycerides up to 700. I have had traditionally high triglycerides of 150 to 200 for years. I've increased my fat intake and consumed very low carbs below 30 grams a day. Yet it scared me to see this large jump in triglycerides. It is noteworthy that I'm recently uh, diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and have stage 3 kidney disease. 
I also recently stopped my statin and beta blocker medications. So my questions for you guys is this. Why do I see a spike in my triglycerides to 700 just three weeks into the diet? And is a ketogenic diet suitable for someone dealing with stage three kidney disease? I've listened to nearly all of your keto talk episodes going back to the very beginning. It's always uh, I've always found that this podcast is so interesting and I love your great answers and information, Ed. So Ed has an interesting two-part question. Why would triglycerides spike early on eating keto? And then will keto help with stage three kidney disease? I think uh, triglycerides, while they do go down in the long term on keto, some people forget that as you're losing weight, you're releasing uh, fats into the blood and that can show up on a triglyceride level. And so if you just started keto three weeks ago, Ed, it could be uh, that he's shedding fat and some of those triglycerides are showing up in the bloodstream, right, Will? That's definitely a possibility. I would say this is normally very rare because normally you're going to see actually triglyceride levels normalize when you retest somebody before they've gone keto and then after. But it can happen. I think more often times than not when I do see this happen, which again is rare, is that they still are having too much carbohydrates than their tolerance allows for. So when you're talking with somebody with insulin resistance, they have metabolic syndrome um, or you know, they have other problems as far as high insulin levels, they may just need to uh, restrict their carbs more than they have been. Mm. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. Alcohol is another component that still can be keto, but if you drink alcohol um, in the day or a couple, you know, a day or two before the test, that can impact triglyceride levels too. Oh, wow. And when you're getting when you're getting triglyceride levels tested or any lab, you want to make sure that you're fasting and it's a true lab, a yes. true fasting test. So drink lots of water, be hydrated, go back again. I mean, 700 is high enough where I would say, let's just make sure this is uh, truly 700. Let's see what's going on there. Um, so, and another thing, facet to consider is a lot of these more liquid, uh, refined, uh, forms of fat that are in things like the butter coffees or thing, even like fat bombs, it's too much of those liquid fats I've seen drive triglycerides up too. Wow. If you're having it like a day before, uh, a test again, you you're just getting gutted all that. half of the listeners, uh, who drink fatty coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying not to have it, but yeah. it, at, when you go and get tested for it, it may just be the thing you had uh, the night before and not your actual triglyceride levels. Yeah. So what about stage three kidney disease? Is keto decent it's, for that? It's Yeah. I mean, I obviously discuss it with your doctor and go over, over the ins and outs of your specific case. But as a general rule, one of the most uh, you know damaging thing to the kidney is high insulin and blood sugar problems. Yes. So the fact that you can create a stable environment for your kidneys, uh, in addition to anything else your doctor tells you to do, I think is a, a good idea for a lot of people. Yeah. Ed, thank you for your question. And we're up to the Keto Talk mailbox portion of the show. This one's from Morena. Hi, Jimmy and Will. I came to keto a couple of days ago from a paleo diet. I used to have a very active bowel system, especially in the morning. I've never experienced constipation in my life, but I've gotten it eating keto and it's showing up as a bloated belly. I'm struggling uh, keeping my carbs low and protein moderated while eating all of these fats while I'm keto. And I feel like it's made me nauseous and I'm hungry. What am I doing wrong? I drink lots of water, including bone broth and magnesium at night. I'm also eating spinach, chia seeds, and castor oil ugh, to try to get things moving again. Do I need psyllium husks or digestive enzymes? Thanks for your help, Morena. So Morena's only been on keto a couple of days as of writing this email to us. Why is constipation a problem early on when I switched over from a paleo diet to keto, and I'm, I'm wondering about her electrolytes um, and if that would help her in this issue. Definitely. I think the shift in someone's electrolytes can definitely impact digestion. She's taking a magnesium powder, which is one, but also optimizing sodium and potassium and um, sole water, which I've talked about in the show before. I've found that that to be nice complement to the ketogenic diet. It's just basically uh, concentrated a salt water and you just have a little bit of it. You can have it throughout the day just to get a variety of different electrolytes 
there they can help digestion and many other things for our brain and our heart. I mean, electrolytes are very important. You can just Google Sole water. I've written about it too on my blog, but S-O-L-E water. Um, specifically with the ketogenic diet, what I've found is that if someone's eating more plant foods and fiber on a paleo diet, and then they limit that, that's going to modulate the microbiome. That's going to shift how the microbiome is working. So there may be an adaptation period because she just went keto and her body is was getting all that hot, maybe higher fiber food on a paleo diet and then uh, isn't maybe getting enough. That's something to keep in mind. Uh, back to what I had said earlier about resistant starches and prebiotic fibers that can help things you know, be push everything through. You can listen to the poop cast <laughs> that we had uh, <laughs> last year, and that, that'll give you a lot of additional information. And electrolytes, I would definitely agree with that. So those are some things to consider. Yeah. Morena, thank you for your question. And we're up to the iTunes reviews portion of the show. And you guys are being slackers because we don't have any new reviews this week. But you can leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Type in Keto Talk, Jimmy Moore, Will Cole. You will find the show and leave us a review. We really appreciate all of our wonderful listeners. And we know you're out there because you keep writing questions for us that we keep answering here each and every week. Well, that's it for episode 136 of Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. KetoTalk.com is the website for full show notes. You can also engage with your fellow Ketonians at the Ketonian Corner Facebook page over at KetoTalkFB.com. So until next Thursday, we'll see you then. You've been listening to Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. Visit our website, KetoTalk.com, for full show notes for this episode. If you love Keto Talk, then drop us a review at iTunes. Thanks for joining us for today's episode, and we'll see you again next Thursday. Disc of Light. <laughs>